Thank you for tuning in to the Living Truth Church podcast. We're glad that you're here. If you'd like more information about Living Truth, you can check out our website at livingtruthchurch.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, but the best way to connect with us is through our Living Truth Church app, which can be found in any app store. Now for a message from the Word of God. We hope that God uses this teaching to impact your life. Amen. Amen. I'm just glad to know my microphone works because my daughter has been yanking on it and kicking it and everything else. Uh, Good morning. I'm Jeff. I'm the student pastor here at Living Truth. If I don't know you and we are glad that you're here. Um, This morning, we're doing things a little bit different. If you haven't been able to tell already, Uh, we're having somewhat of like a youth takeover this morning to celebrate what God's been doing in our student ministry and what he continues to do in, in, in our student ministry and through the lives of our students. But not only that, we hopefully want this to be a challenge for you as a follower of Jesus. But as we get started, I wanted to mention a couple things. One, how about Phoenix? Did Phoenix do a good job? Amen. So he's he's one of our student worship leaders. And so whenever Norm asked if we would, you know, kind of change things up this week, I asked if I could uh, have him sing and switch up the songs. And Ben was uh, was good enough and, and kind enough to let us do that on Monday, switch some songs around and, and get Phoenix up here. But also I wanted to mention um, that most of you heard two weeks ago that Ben Lowermore in the back, he came back over so we can all wave at him, uh, is stepping down after this Sunday. He's still gonna be a part of our church. He's still gonna be here serving, but, but God's calling him to take a step further in his big boy job, as Norm put it a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and he's gonna be stepping back from his role as a, as a staff person here um, after this Sunday. So let's give him a big thank you for his two years. Big thank you for his two years that he's put in here. I'm so thankful for Ben, as I know you are as well, and have been blessed by his ministry. Um, But before we continue any further, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this time that we have uh, to get into your word. Um, God, I pray that you'll speak to us from your word. God, speak to us, um, change us as only you can. We know that that is what you do. You change us when we can't change ourselves. When people can't change us, you change us. And God, I pray that we will all leave here different than how we got here. Um, God, we pray that your, your name will be the one that is on our lips as we talk about the things that go on in this building, that it won't be any leader, it won't be any organization, but it'll be the name of Jesus. We love you and see you we pray, amen. So as we get started, I just kind of want to let you know what you're in for this morning. On Monday, Pastor Norm came up to me and said, hey, I'm feeling like we need to spend some time letting you guys unpack what you did, you know, what God did at Propel, at our, our fall retreat. We call it Propel. So if you hear Propel, Propel equals fall retreat. Um, and I said, okay, do you want me to get a couple kids to share some testimonies, show the highlight, like, what do you want? And he said, no, no, y'all can have the whole service. So I'm just gonna push my message back a week and y'all can have the whole service. And he was kind of testing me to see what my response was, but he knows that if I get the opportunity to do anything youth-related on a Sunday morning, we're gonna take it. So, um, so we, that's kind of where we're at. That's what we're gonna be doing. We had, we had, you know, we had Phoenix sing, highlight video, testimony from Kinsey. We've got a couple more things for you before the morning is over. Um, but before we, uh, before we jump into where we're at, I wanna kind of go back to the beginning. Um, last weekend, again, we had, had our fall retreat and this is, we did it at Camp Baldwin this year and leading up to Propel, I was trying to decide who we would have as our guest speaker. So if you know me, you know how I do student ministry, all the fun stuff that you see in the video, by the way, that was a golden plunger that you saw. If you had questions about that, that's our trophy for our mega relay. So that, that was that and it's coveted, it's a big deal. Um, 
but all the fun stuff is just fluff, right? It's just to get kids there. It's just for them to have a good time. The most important thing and the reason why we do the things that we do is so that we can share the gospel, so that we can hear a word from the Lord, so that we can engage with him in worship. And so um, leading up to Far Retreat, I was trying to you know, decide who I wanted to have come and speak. And through the years, we've had different people, different friends of mine that um, you know, serve in different capacities all across the Southeast, different you know, youth pastors, ministers, whatever. Um, and this year, I just felt like I couldn't get away from the idea of having some of our people sharing their testimony to our, young, or to our students. Um, and so uh, that's what we did. We had some, some different individuals, some of our young adults uh, that, that, that shared their testimony. We had a weekend centered around the fact that, that we all have a testimony, that we have as believers, and, and, you know, we all have a testimony and there's the fact that God began a work in us that he's gonna be faithful to complete, right? And, and so just because you got saved, just because you accepted Christ, the story doesn't end there. The story continues on until the day that you die and you step into eternity. There is always something that God is doing in your life. And so ever since then, you know, we, we identified a few people to come and share with our students and we've just been seeing steps of obedience from our kids. God did an amazing work um, over the course of this weekend. And this morning, I want you to hear from one of these individuals that came and spoke for us. And so to set up kind of what we're gonna talk about today, I'm gonna invite Danielle Dixon up. You guys can welcome her. So over the weekend, she's one of the people that I had share and uh, she did an amazing job and God used her in an awesome way. And so she's gonna kind of start things off for us this morning. All right, good morning, y'all. It's so good to be here with you. Um, I'm normally at first service, so I'm one of those like weird people that wake up really early and come to church. Um, but it's good to be here with my third service folks as well. Um, so like Jeff said, I'm Danielle, I am 22. I'm a second year teacher, I teach third grade, um, and right now I'm living at home with my sister and my parents. Um, my sister was actually the one on the video, so um, it's really cool to see her growing in her faith as well. Um, so I don't know if it's the teacher in me, but I always like to just kind of break down what we're doing for the day and break down what I'm gonna be talking about. Um, but I'm just gonna simply share my story. I got the honor to do that with our students as well, and that was something that um, God really brought me out of my comfort zone with. I am not a public speaker. I do not like getting up in front of people and talking. Um, I love it in front of my students. Third graders, I can, I can do that all day long. But when it's youth and adults, um, that's where God um, is getting me up here with all his power and all his strength. So my story is not anything crazy. It's not anything shocking, um, but it is a story of God moving me from death to life. Um, and we all have, or we all can have a story like that. And if you don't have a story of um, a time where you met Jesus and he brought you from death to life, we would love to share more about that with you. So I'm also just gonna share about why I love being around our kiddos and youth, um, our middle schoolers and high schoolers. Um, they are so amazing and they're such a blessing in my life. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but Hannah was talking in second service and she brought up the fact that um, Jeff just loves to call us and it's not to be like, hey, how are you? Like, how are you doing? It's to, um, literally his first words are, hey, we're gonna get you out of your comfort zone. This is what, you know, uh, I'm gonna ask you. This is what God is uh, putting on my heart to ask you to do, which is totally fine because I need to be brought out of my comfort zone. So we're going to dive right in and get going this morning. Um, so to start my story, before I met Jesus, I grew up in church. Um, my parents actually did not grow up in church. They, um, 
if anything, they were running from God and their uh, life direction wasn't anything that was pointing to Jesus. Um, but thank goodness that they had an encounter with Jesus and they both accepted him shortly after they got married. And then at that point, it was almost a turning point for them of, okay, um, our lives were going one way, but God is completely changing it and changing our direction. So let's have our family in church as well. So after that point, I was in church um, for my whole life, really. I, was, um, I grew up in church from a really young age. And I can honestly say I knew the gospel. I knew who Jesus was and what he had done for me. Um, but it was just a lot of knowledge. I could tell you a lot of the Bible verses. I could tell you a lot of the stories from Sunday school. But it was just that. It was just stories that I knew almost like things that you learn in school. Um, so of all places for Jesus to meet me and me to encounter him in a huge way, it was a campground. And I don't know why God chose that time and place, but I know he had it there for a reason. Um, I was about eight years old and for... I don't even know how many times. It definitely wasn't my first or second time hearing the gospel. Um, but that time when I heard the gospel, it didn't just click in my head. It actually hit my heart instead. Um, and that's when you know that it's a heart change instead of just a bunch of knowledge. Because knowledge can um, puff you up and build you up. But it's a heart change that's most important. Even though I was only around eight, I can say that my life was forever changed by Jesus. And a lot of my story comes after that moment of salvation, which we'll get to in just a moment. Um, but I don't know where my life would be without Jesus. I know I wouldn't be here. I know I wouldn't be um, helping out in youth and serving with our kids in youth. Um, but I'm so thankful that God uh, took me where I was and he turned me from uh, an eternity without him to an eternity with him. So, like I said, when I... Um, I was younger when I met Jesus, and I would have honestly said that my testimony just stopped right there. I said, okay, like, that's, that's my story, and it almost would discourage me sometimes because I don't have, you know, this huge, um, amazing testimony like I've heard some people have before. But I've learned that your testimony is not just when you accept Jesus. It is how he is working in your life still and through that. So honestly, a huge part of my story is... Um, you know, how, how he has worked in my life through then. Um, so I grew up in a different church and God used it for a season and a reason. But while I was at that church, um, I really got stuck in, of course, I was a Christian. I was saved at that point. Um, but I got stuck in doing the right things and doing what I was supposed to do. I'm very much a rule follower. I don't break rules. I don't like to break rules. Um, so that was something for me. I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong. I did what was right. I didn't do what I knew was wrong. So it was just a lot of going through the motions. And I didn't realize how much I was going through the motions until God brought our family to Living Truth Church. And I saw people who God was moving in their lives and he was truly changing their life. Um, and I can honestly say the first time that I was truly discipled was at Living Truth Church. Um, but we'll get to that later on when I talk about how much I love being a part of youth. Um, so for several years, I had gone through the motions, but then I finally realized coming to Living Truth that I actually had to have an intimate relationship with God. It's not enough just to um, say that you love God and to, you know, open up your Bible every now and then. I had to actually pursue him because he's always right there with his arms open. I had to put in some work and um, continue to grow closer to him. But if you um, fast forward several years, around this time last year, God did a huge work in my life. Um, 
and it's something that I didn't want to be part of my story. I didn't think I would ever really share this with a big group of people either, but I've shared it with several big groups of people. So uh, it's crazy how God works. Um, But I was at a place in my life where I felt completely alone. Even though I knew I had Jesus, my feelings inside um, were very, just not in a good place. Um, My mind would race all the time. I didn't know um, why I was feeling those ways. I didn't know why um, my stomach hurt every time I stepped out of the house. Um, I kind of just thought everyone did that and everyone went through that. But after reaching out through my family, um, my mom especially, and then some uh, honestly professionals who helped me, um, I realized that something that I had been struggling with for years and years um, was anxiety and depression as well. Again, two things that I didn't want to be part of my story. Um, and I even told God, I, I said, I, I don't want this to be part of my story. Um, you know, looking back, I'm like, who, who is I to tell God what I wanted to be part of my story or not? Now, he's taught me that um, he's in charge of my story. And I'm, I'm kind of just along for the ride to be obedient. Um, but when I was feeling those ways, a couple things were going through my mind. Um, one was that I almost... Uh, had a sort of pride behind it because um, I didn't want people to know what was going on and I didn't want people to know something was wrong. Um, so I would put on this perfect face, this happy face. Um, and of course, like there were, I know Jesus brought me joy and I, I completely know that. Um, and I knew him as my savior, but there were times where I just pretended like I had it all together. Um, and that's not what being a Christian is about. Perfection um, is not attainable. Um, only Jesus was perfect, and um, he's the one who has to get us through this life. So I had to completely let go of that, and I'll share a passage in just a second that really helped me with that. Um, but I also thought, I don't know if any of you have had this feeling before of, you can just pray something away. And if you pray hard enough, it'll go away. And you did a great job praying, God answered that. Um, and I completely believe that God can take anxiety, depression, um, a situation that you're going through, I believe that he can take that away and he can completely restore you from that. Um, But I also know that sometimes he leaves things in our life for a reason and a purpose, um, and it's all to bring him more glory. So with that, a passage that God really spoke to me through is in 2 Corinthians, where Paul has this thorn in the flesh and um, he's actually pleading with God to take it away. Um, But God didn't answer the prayer in the way Paul wanted him to. Instead, he says, you know what? My strength is made even more great when you're weak. So when I can't do it on my own, God's glory is shown all the more. Um, I was trying for so long to do this life on my own, um, but I finally had to realize I have to surrender that daily to God and I have to give it up to him because if I don't, then I'm not gonna be able to get through it on my own. Um, So God's strength has really carried me through. My story is still going. My story is still continuing. It's not going to stop until I meet Jesus one day. Um, But I'm so thankful that God has reminded me to surrender my life to him and to surrender daily and to take up my cross. And he's still writing it exactly the way he wants to. Um, And I have to remind myself not to get in the way of that. Um, So kind of changing gears a little bit with that story, um, God has really used the youth program at Living Truth to um, be a huge part of my faith. The first um, time I came to Living Truth, I was a junior in high school, and I was 
very, very nervous. I was the one who wouldn't talk to anyone. I was really, really shy, but God used two women in my life um, to really pour into me. And that was when I was talking about, it was the first time I started being discipled. One of them, um, I tell her she's my mentor for life. Uh, She's not gonna get rid of me. I am gonna have her in my life for a really long time um, just because she pours so much wisdom into me and I'm so grateful for her. She was one of my small group leaders then and the other small group leader um, was another woman that I actually got to hang out with her two sons at Propel this last weekend. So it's so cool how God has continued to use them in my life. Um, Because they poured into me, it's given me a passion to pour into other girls who are younger than me Um, and also uh, the guys too getting to see how they all grow in youth. So I help out on Wednesday nights um, with our middle school girls group. And it really has shown me that God loves his children so much that he wants us to grow closer to him because if he didn't love us, we would just stay the same all the time and he wouldn't want us to grow closer to him. But I am seeing lives being changed and lives being moved through our youth group and through our kids. Um, And it's not just because they're sitting still, it's because they are realizing that this world has so much to offer, but it's not what they need to fulfill them. Jesus is the only one who can do that. Um, So being able to serve in youth, Um, I don't consider it a blessing to the kids that I'm there. If anything, I consider um, them a blessing to me because they teach me so much more than I could ever teach them. So that is um, why I love working in youth so much. I'm so thankful I got to share with y'all today. Amen. Thank you, Danielle. And with that in mind, when Pastor Norm asked, uh, asked me on Monday to share today, I felt the Lord leading me to have Danielle share her story. And uh, Hannah Morris shared during second service. And so if you want to, I recommend you going back and watching the live stream from second service and hearing that as well. Um, but I wanted them to share not simply as an encouragement to you. I- I'm sure that it was, right? I know that their, their testimonies have encouraged me but rather for us to be able to talk about the example that we set. Now, that's, what I, that's where I want us to focus this morning. That's what I hope challenges you this morning. Uh, last weekend, when I got home from retreat, I spent some time reflecting on the pros and the cons, right? The highs and lows. I'm my own biggest critic, and so I can't get away from anything that we do here at the church without just immediately going back and picking things apart. What do we gotta change next year? What do we gotta do better? What, what went well, right? And the biggest thing that stood out to me was the young adults that our students have to look up to. In fact, Pastor Norm came up to me last Sunday morning. He said, hey man, give me the, you know, give me the rundown, how'd it go? And I started telling him something. I said, you know what? The biggest thing is the young adults that we have at this church that pour into our students. Like just, it blows me away. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about Hannah and Danielle sharing their testimonies to a group of students. Um, These young adults, right, that are stepping out of their comfort zone and being faithful and obedient. They are people that our students look up to. And if you're a parent in this room that has a young, uh, has a student in sixth to 12th grade, can I tell you, they are the people that you want your kids to look up to. Like you should want these people, these girls, these, these guys, these young adults in their life because they are great examples for them. And I was overwhelmed thinking about the example that they set for our students. And also thinking about the leadership of our other young adults that were leading small groups. We are blessed with people to set examples. We're blessed with people for them to follow. 
Um, and I say all of that not to discount the time and the work that's put in by other adults, right? We have, we have people that serve with our students that are anywhere from 20 years old to 50 years old, um, and, and, and they all do an incredible job. But walking away from last week, and all I could think about was how thankful I am for young adults that spend time serving the Lord rather, go, rather than going to the club that spend time investing in middle school and high school students that, that capitalize on this time in their lives where they're single, they're not married, and they're leveraging that time of their lives to make an impact with the gospel, right? They could be doing so many other things, but they recognize that right now I don't have a wife, I don't have a husband, I don't have kids, I don't have a career, I'm in school, right? Or I'm starting my career, I'm early on in my career, and I can use my time and my resources to make an impact in the lives of students before all the craziness of life sets in. And everybody that was just up here a few minutes ago can probably attest to that, right? All these parents that dedicated their kids. And so with all of that in mind, I was reminded of 1 Corinthians 11, 1, which says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul, when he was writing this letter to the church at Corinth, he wanted them to have someone that they could look at. Someone in the flesh that they could identify with and follow. Someone that they could copy. And Paul said, look, I'm living it to the best of my ability. I'm doing everything the best that I know how. I'm trying to live a life for Jesus. And so if you need an example to follow, you can look at me because I'm trying to be Jesus, right? I'm trying to follow him. I'm trying to do everything that he tells me to do. And you can follow me if you need somebody in the flesh to look at. I think back to my early college years. Those were very formative years of my life, right? And I'm sure that most of you have a similar story to that. And I was, at that time, just starting to get serious about my faith in Jesus. And praise God, I had several men in my life that I could look up to and emulate as they followed Jesus. I think about my, my youth pastor, and, and he became my young adults pastor, right? I, I remember spending time every week talking with him, meeting with him, him pouring into me, investing in my life, so that I had somebody that I could look at. I knew he was living it out and he was investing in me to grow me and pour into me spiritually. He then hired me as an intern and I was able to spend time with him just learning under him and growing under him. There were other worship leaders that, that as I was you know, learning how to lead worship that, that I could look at, I could learn from, I could emulate, that I could spend time with. They would pour into me, keep me from making mistakes. And I eventually got called to, got a call to work at a little church that was meeting in a middle school in Pace um, called Living Truth. And I had a, a great pastor, Pastor Norm, that was willing to spend time with me on a weekly basis and meet with me and pour into me and grow me and invest in me. And he gave me an example that I could look at and I could imitate him as he imitated Jesus. Praise God, I had people in my life that were like that for me. And we know the value of that in every area of our lives, right? So if you have a job, if you have a career, I'm sure that whenever you started out, there was probably somebody in your field that you said, I wanna be like that person, All right? Maybe they did their job with incredible integrity. Um, they, maybe they just had a long career where they just treated people right. They, they'd made a great career. Now they're making good money. And I wanna do things the way that they did them. That's who I wanna follow. I want to imitate that person in my career. That's the person that I wanna copy. Or maybe as a parent, there was someone in your life that raised incredible kids and you wanted to learn their ways so that you could copy them, right? I know that there are people in my life that they've got daughters that I'm like, I want my two to look like these two. And so I wanna do whatever their parents did so that my two daughters will look like these two girls one day whenever they become adults, right? 
We all have those people in our lives that we look at and we want to emulate everything that they do. For me as a youth pastor, as a husband, as a father, I have people that I look up to and I wanna know all of their life hacks, right? Any of you get like caught going down the rabbit hole of life hack videos? Am I the only one, right? We will look for a life hack of everything. And, and I know that we all in this room probably have areas of our life where we're looking for the life hack. What's the life hack for my job? What's the life hack for me as a husband? What's the life hack for me as a parent? So with all of that, I wanna ask, spiritually, do you live a life that is worthy of someone imitating you? Do you live a life worthy of somebody imitating you? So if Paul's telling the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ, then I would think that the goal is that one day those people that are imitating him are gonna grow up to the point where they're saying, hey, you can imitate me. I imitated Paul, Paul imitated Christ. I'm trying to imitate Christ, you can imitate me. Have you grown into that believer that can tell others, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Do you live a life worthy of people imitating you? If we were able to hit copy paste on your life, would there be an impact in the kingdom of God? Right? If, you were, if, you were, if, if God were to take you and just make a bunch of copies of you, would there be an eternal impact in the kingdom of God? Would it advance further because there's a bunch of little yous running around that live spiritually the way that you live, that are following Jesus the way that you follow Jesus? See, when you decided to follow Jesus, part of the transaction was that you would invest in the next generation of believers, that you would be a part of this gospel movement. Did you know that? In this transaction that occurred between you and the God of the universe, he offered his son as a payment for your sins, right? We know that, we understand that. It was a free gift. You couldn't do anything to earn it. You couldn't do anything to get your way to heaven. You couldn't do anything to forgive yourself of your sins. He paid it in full. He did the work for you. And he didn't invite you to live a life on the sidelines with a jersey on just happy to be a part of the team. That's not what he paid that price for you to do. When he bought you, he didn't say, man, I just hope they ask me to forgive them and then I'm just glad to see him at church on Sunday. No, the idea is that you would become a part of a movement to lead others to step into the same freedom and forgiveness that you have already stepped into. His plan for the redemption of man was that you would get busy about his work. If you don't believe me, we can turn over to Matthew 28. I'm sure we all in this room have it memorized, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so when we look at the Great Commission, and the Great Commission being this statement from Jesus, and by the way, this is the last thing he says as he ascends to heaven, right? And so if you're a parent in the room, you think about your last words, right? When your kids are about to leave the house or whenever you're about to leave the house, you probably tell them, hey, be safe, be careful, and I love you, right? You want them to be safe. You want them to return home safely. You want them to be careful, not get hurt. And you want them to know the last thing they hear out of your mouth is that you love them, right? The last thing that Jesus told these, these 12 men, 11 men now that we were following him, the last thing he told them is he ascended to heaven, these guys that he'd invested in for three years, these guys that he was entrusting a movement with. He was saying, all right, I'm going and I need y'all to continue what I've started, continue the work. 
The last thing he told them was go make disciples, baptize them and teach them to observe, teach them to obey. And so there's a simple equation, right? Go make disciples, lead people to Christ. Like that is your job. If you are a follower of Jesus, your job is to make disciples, it's to share the gospel. It's evangelism, right? That's a scary word, but it's not something that's reserved for just people up here on a platform. Church has done that way for years, it doesn't work. It's not, it's not something that we just let the street preachers do on the corner of Dogwood and 90, right? That's not their job. It's not just their job. It's not what we let people do at different events. We don't let televangelists do it. We don't let conference preachers do it. Like it is a job for followers of Jesus that, that are wanting to be obedient to him. Our job is to share the gospel. It's evangelism, period. The second part of that, the second step, baptize them. All right, another thing that's not a pastor's job, right? It's not a pastor's job to baptize people. We as followers of Jesus, we've been commissioned to make disciples, lead people to Christ, baptize them. And, and the church for centuries has passed down bad tradition that says that a pastor has to baptize people on Sundays during church in a robe with the waiters on underneath, right? Um, right up here behind the stage. And that's not in the Bible, right? In the Bible, we see faithful followers of Jesus lead people to Christ and then take them down to the creek or to the river or to the lake or whatever. And they baptize people right there. One guy got baptized on the side of a road because he accepted Christ and right there in the road and said, hey, can I, can I get baptized? They go down and, and they get baptized right there on the side of the road in a puddle. That, that, that's what baptism is. It's, 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 it's us showing up. We hear, Norm gets a call on a Tuesday and somebody says, hey, I just led somebody to Christ. Can I, can I go down to the creek? Can you arrange that? And that happens, right? Like we see that happen. It's when you lead somebody to Christ, you have the pleasure and the honor of baptizing somebody that you led to Christ. I'll tell you for me, like one of the, one of the coolest things that I've been a part of as somebody who works at a church was I had the opportunity a few years ago to lead a guy to Christ. Um, and it was on a mission trip. He was a senior. He had just graduated from high school. I led him to Christ. Well, sometime maybe six months ago, he had the privilege of uh, baptizing his friend, right? So I baptized him a few years ago. A few months ago, he baptized his buddy that, that he's been leading to the Lord. Um, and, and parents in the room, grandparents in the room, like I don't have grandparents yet, but I hear it's awesome, right? You can just pass them off when they need a diaper change or when you're tired of them. Grandkids in the faith is pretty awesome, right? You, getting the privilege and the honor of seeing somebody that you've led to the Lord, then leading somebody to the Lord, there's nothing cooler than that. You're seeing the movement of the gospel take place. You're seeing the gospel advance. So we go and make disciples, each and every one of us, not just pastors on a stage. We baptize them, not in waiters with a robe on behind the stage, but whoever leads that person to Christ, right? Like you can lead somebody to Christ and baptize them. And then we teach them to obey, we teach obedience to the next generation. And how do we teach that? By modeling it. We teach people to obey by modeling what obedience looks like. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. See, for too long, I think the church has pushed two words. They're like, teach them, teach them, teach them, right? And Jesus said, teach them to obey. We love a Bible study right? We love Sunday school. We love small groups. We love gathering together and sitting around and talking about the latest book that we read or the, the video series that we can watch on Right Now Media. We love all of those times where we can sit and learn. And learning is great. I'm not saying that learning is wrong, but we've for so long forgotten teach them to obey. There should be movement. There should be action as a result of the things that we learn. And so in this job that you've been given by Jesus as a follower of Jesus to get to work in his kingdom, are you living a life 
that's worth imitating. That's not just the job of church leadership. In fact, Hebrews 13, seven says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You should have leaders that you are imitating and that should lead you to leading others to imitate you, right? You should, you should imitate leaders and then that should lead you to being somebody that others are going to imitate as they follow you and they learn from you. And that's discipleship. That's disciples making disciples. If this is your first time being at Living Truth Church, then that's the first time you've heard it. But if you've ever been before, you have heard the phrase disciples making disciples. We're gonna say it every week. We're gonna talk about it because we believe in it because that's what we are commissioned to do in Matthew 28 is be disciples that make disciples that make disciples. You'll hear Jeff Gray talking about fourth generation movement, that, that you'll see a movement of God happen whenever there's four generations. Whenever you lead somebody to Christ, that leads somebody to Christ, that leads somebody to Christ, that leads somebody to Christ. And discipleship is happening all along the way. That's discipleship. And that's what I saw out of our leaders this past weekend. They were investing in students. They are prime examples of leaders that set an example for others to imitate. And I wanna give you a tip that I've learned the hard way, and it's that we don't reproduce an ideal version of ourselves. We don't reproduce an ideal version of ourselves. We We reproduce ourselves, right? How many of you have heard your kids say, something wrong, right? Like uh, we've got a three-year-old, she'll say like a bad word or something, right? Not too bad because I'm about to tell on myself. Um, But you'll hear your kid say something wrong. You're like, where did you learn that? Well, dad says it. I'm like, whoa, well, hey, easy, right? We reproduce ourselves. We don't, our kids aren't gonna look better than we look. They're gonna look like us. They are imitating us. And when it comes to the faith, the people that you're investing in are gonna look like you. They're not gonna look like a better version of you you're not gonna be able to disciple them and then say, all right, let me, let me like buff out the scratches and let's take these things away. Whenever the person you're discipling does something stupid, it's because you did something stupid, right? You can't make them into an ideal version of you. They'll look like you and all of your flaws. And so we've got to start with obedience when it comes to discipling the next generation, when it comes to investing in those that are coming along behind us. So I'll ask again, are you living a life worthy of imitation? Are you investing in the next generation of believers? Are you giving them an example to follow? And listen, when I say next generation, I don't necessarily mean like sixth through 12th grade students. I know I'm the youth pastor, but it's sitting a push for you to serve in student ministry. I know that some of you, as soon as I say next gen, you shut me out. You're like, no, 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 no. I'm not called to work with them. And I feel the same way. You won't find me in that building unless I'm going to my office, right? I, anything under fifth grade or under sixth grade, I don't do. If there's a chance I'm wiping a nose, if there's a chance I'm escorting somebody to the bathroom, I don't have a part in that, right? And some of you are like, anything 18 and under, I don't wanna have anything to do with that. They got attitudes, all the hormones and crazy stuff. Like, I don't wanna do that. What I mean by next generation is somebody that's coming along behind you that's not as far along in their faith as you. And so maybe they're 20 years older than you, but they just came to Christ three weeks ago and they need somebody that's gonna teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded them to do. That's your job. Or are you just gonna simply sit on the sidelines just happy to be a part of the team? And I hear people often say, well, I'm I'm investing in my kids. I'm discipling them. Praise God, right? Praise God you're investing in your kids. That's your ministry. That's your number one ministry in your household other than to your spouse. But guys, we we don't celebrate the bare minimum. That's the bare minimum, all right? That's expected. We shouldn't, uh, listen, I'm a Florida fan, 
Are there any other Florida fans that you'd like hanging your head in shame right now? We're five and five, it's pitiful. Yesterday, Florida beat Samford. And you're not gonna see me celebrate a win over Samford. That's expected, that's the bare minimum. Like Florida should beat Samford. If you're a Samford fan, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not, I mean, it's just the way it goes, right? But we've got a head coach that was celebrating in the locker room after they beat Sanford and that hurts my heart, right? And they're like, I'm getting off on a tangent, I'm upset. (laughs) But that's the bare minimum. Discipling your kids, bare minimum. Praise God you care enough about them to tell them about Jesus. I'd worry about you if you didn't. That's what you should be doing. We don't even need to talk about that. What we need to talk about is making an investment that hurts, right? What hurts more than your time? There's not many things that hurt more than your time. Are you willing to take some time and spend that investing in the next generation of believers outside of your household? And again, it may be somebody 20 years older than you. It may be kids over here. It may be people in our access ministry. Some of you don't even know that we have an access ministry that serves children with special needs, right? They need people pouring into them. Are you making an investment in the next generation of believers? And are you making an investment that hurts? Right, maybe, maybe beyond your time, it's, there's a money commitment there. Maybe there's, maybe there's any other kind of resources, right? Like what are you bringing to the table to pour into the next generation of believers? So now is your time to respond. First Thessalonians 2.13 says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. We know that that's what happened this morning. We hope and we pray that you know that as well, that we didn't speak words of men this morning. We looked at the word of God, the the inspired word of God, and we talked about that. And we know that whenever that happens, whenever people come together and we hear the word of God, God is working in us. He's changing us. And we, we hope that you are ready to take some next steps as a follower of Jesus, maybe a first step as a follower of Jesus. And we've tried to make those next steps easy. So you can either go to our website, livingtruthchurch.com and fill out the connect card, which will have some different options for things that God may be prompting you to do. Or you can download our app in the app store, Living Truth Church, and go to the next steps tab in the app. And there's some options with, with different things that God may be prompting you to do or pushing you to do. But whatever it is, we pray that you will take that next step as a follower because we we believe that if we're coming together and we're hearing God's word and he's trying to, to mold us into to look more like him, then if we leave here unchanged, we've wasted our time. We, we know that if God's word is proclaimed, we should be different. And so we hope that you'll take those next steps and we would love to come alongside you as you take those steps. Um, right now, I just ask that you'll join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we have together to look at your word and, and we thank you for your presence. God, I pray that you'll move in the hearts and lives of every person that's engaging with us this morning online. We pray that they'll leave here different than when they got here. God, we know that it's only you that can do that. God, and so we ask you to do what only you can do. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great week.